on beauty as a crucible to clarity. One of the several arguments against beauty is rooted in the notion beauty is subjective. Further still, from a face-off or contrarian perspective, beauty has grown as a form of taboo substantiated by cultural standards. Given the hard and narrow push for the acceptance of the abject and the minimizing of beauty's significance, this lapin is penned for the remembrance of Emerson's and Scar's writings on beauty as a means to widening the cultural production and being just and spiritually fulfilled. Afferent beauty relates to perceptive beauty. To state the obvious, people differ in perceptions. Perception is something considered malleable, where the responsibility is placed within the individual or the company, brand or government, often has bodies pointing physically into thin air. The word society or they or them is a gesture to the ghost of our time, the spirit to come to terms with. Where did the ideas and perceptions come from aside from someone's psyche and who put them there? Beauty can be a remembering for each and every person to have the right to make up their own mind. Within the different perceptions are intrinsic orientations towards a beauty that has the capacity to cross lines described as cultural or related to time. The sense of knowing time is not linear or vertical, but rather another form of perception yokes in a contingent understanding of mass, velocity, and magnetism. After all, we would have nothing if not bound together by something. Yet, the time we live in, whether then, now, or to come, relies on the invisible, ideological space present within the performance of speech, posture, apparel, and so on. The permission of behavior or creative choices are indicated by the ayudar or the media, technology and your attention. The tolerance or intolerance of sensual and cognitive choices begs to ask the origins of the thought police. The thought police are the subtle informants of what you are willing to let yourself think or not think. The squiggly part of this is, it's at the end of the day, you. You decided to edit your thoughts, believe something whether or not it was substantiated, or in the worst case scenario, be in the presence of pathological liars. Yes, this is all quite scary. Now we are already deep down in the dark burrow, and yet you are in actual safety. The cognitive operating driving the motor of people only works if you let your mind drive your life or let someone else's mind dictate yours. Or further, allow someone to negate your feelings, suggesting they are not real and undermine intrinsic trust. So when people say we are living in strange times, they are quite mental times, and the health or unhealthiness of those is a larger formation demanding a reconciling within ourselves and each other. Social conditioning relative to beauty has proven to invite experience through a spectrum of safety through danger. Despite differences of physiological, biological, and cultural orientations, a deep well of truth remains when the contrarian mind occupied by the love to propagate danger, whether to personhood, relationships, or ecology, is released to welcome the experience of an afferent and simultaneously mindful and thoughtless sensual beauty pointing toward an intelligence humans have and even robots seem able to grok their limitations in accessing. Robots or AI 
primarily and presently access these things through analytical processes alone with the help of engineers and biochemists. They are at work attempting to mimic your human behavioral biology. If you know anything about Neuralink or the Human Genome Project, you will find out how far human curiosity is willing to go and how much that risk is being not only permitted but funded, while currently living human beings face increasing gaps between poverty and what we can call abject wealth. Can those tolerances be considered anything but ugly, since beauty of the afferent magnitude requires a nervous system, so far, anyway? This is not a call to wake up, because that call assumes a position you are not awake or dreaming. In terms of consciousness, the unconscious is typically regarded as the body, which animates the nocturnal dream state. The waking state then asks for the unification of the unconscious and conscious. In all practical, literal, and spiritual senses, people are awake and aware, but may need the time and space to deepen and reflect upon decisions and what they are tacitly permitting or not, and where ideas lead to in the future, as well as space to expand awareness. Blind faith has historically shown detrimental. The use of beauty can be fouled up such as in Annihilation, the movie, a prime example of horrifying beauty, or the type of beauty cults leading people into dangerous behavior have or exhibit. This is not the beauty I want to incite. The, beauty, the kind of beauty I am interested in incites a non-reactive, non-violent courage, a beauty that remains in a wordless space, constant and yet ever subtly changing flow. Vastly differing subjectivities can appreciate and share visions or phenomena as beautiful. Those experiences of afferent beauty run current to concerns for geological empathy in an increasing desire to understand how to healthfully inhabit the earth and relate as people, man, woman, or the increasing number of subjective identities with each other. Without veering into the tricky wicket of politics of any sort, which is the way beauty becomes mentalized instead of felt or spiritualized, means the mentalization itself can produce effective states in the body. Psychosomatics, as the term suggests, runs deep. Why all these words for beauty, being so obvious and felt in experience of thought and appearance, the decline of its presence seems to be doing something to the cognitive and self-authoring functions of people. The mass formation compounded by a mix of historical ignorance and performed cognitive function of rewriting history has created a group pathology to transform the ugly watiko of social societal narcissism. It seems everyone agrees we have to do something. So what will that be? beauty of virtues holds together through dominance and power dynamics, is gathered and protected after conflict. Beauty, as this, requires courage and discernment. While important to account for diverse people, we have also a duty to remember a great majority of people, regardless of identity, increasingly report feeling lost in a vacuous ideological schism. Therefore, a felt beauty holds space for all vision-body relationships. Beauty, 
is what I see through a feeling in my heart, or thereabout from my core radiating a cascade of comfort around my body as if held in an eternal embrace, suggesting the impossibility of being totally alone. This fulfillment through beauty remains more satisfying when shared. As an old saying goes, joy shared is compounded, sorrows shared are halved. Beauty shared may therefore fuel compassion and love sparking joy in having sorrow. This beauty relies on a willingness to see and reconcile behaviors that harm oneself and those around them. We are relational beings. That gives rise to wonders on why and how beauty has become such a tumultuous subject within selective intellectual frameworks. Beauty, a subjective instead of perceptive, means an ugly use of life to escape fears of annihilation, grown through age within those unreconciled with mortality, or as features of robots seem more celebrated than the imperfections of humans. This relies on examining the object-subject relationship through mental and spiritual frameworks, existing as a ghost demanding increased ability to perceive the multiple layers operating within the complexity of being. I came to learn, perhaps late, some live in a gamified view of life, placing the driver of the perceived game in a dominance relationship to the world around them through a poor contraption for control a few buttons. Players seem to simultaneously gloat and suffer in the relative dominance their subjective mental framework constructs, as if the virtual reality glowing grid realized in the headsets was already part of the predatory gamed view of life. This is not a survival behavior such as actual hunting to provide nourishment for the self, family, or group, but a means to gain dopamine hits through external objects or even people to fulfill their life. Virtual or physiological, the subjective experience turns out to be destructive. And not the beautiful from a distance type of destruction, but a more of a slow internal rot. This view is echoed in the notion of the universe, a proxy word for God, resides within each of us. As far as I have found a type of standoffish posture around subjectivity historically incites anything but getting along. In the interest of getting along, a perceptive and afferent beauty establishes presence in as quick of a deep breath quiets the mind and structures correct and compassionate action. The reach to control external behavior or minds that would be indicated by the desire to control whether or not beauty was accepted as valuable or worthless, taken for granted or appreciated. There are other options on those spectrums, of course, yet those are the typical tendencies choices tend to lead to. Some mental frameworks perceive beauty as power. In that cultural perspective, the notion all power is abused gets wrapped to beauty. And yet, in moments of destructive action, beauty is replaced by things such as ugly crying or ugly thoughts and behavior. I had argued the relational claim on beauty as power in the context of the way I personally see beauty as inviting understanding. If power is abused, it is not power at all. The abuse of power is a negation of the persistent beauty existing 
regardless of mental frameworks. When listening to subjective visions of life, I heard utterances from others or myself that were not beautiful. I often heard ugly utterances in the distinguished voices of esteemed leaders, which I have also heard many people quietly murmur they felt. The spiritual war against beauty fuels lapses in perception to feed hatred and contempt that consume instead of grow beauty. These experiences led me to see gross misuses of power as cowardice in action and revere the respiratory relation to beauty. Through breath and body, the heart has valves and therefore holes. We exist not because we are totalistic gods, but because we respirate and relate. Even when we are alone, we are signaling and forming our future through imagination, desire, will, through mystical experience of living. That feels beautiful, existing with eyes closed, open, or through watery veils, both within and beyond, as plentiful and deep, where games about power or abuse are entirely unimaginable. The deep well of beauty heals, as certain as water and stones are, as light and darkness need each other, as seaweed survives each tide and storm, there is a beauty from the furthest reaches of theoretical cosmos concurrently running through our electromagnetic tissue, making movements from the cells birthed through lungs and bones. All of that was standing. These are examples of the way metaphysics mated with New Age theory to confabulate a notion of the universe as contained within the individual. Our individual and relational connection with life has come under cultural critique to pave the way for robotic and transhumanist celebration. This is precisely why subjective beauty has revealed a tendency to stall out stale or grow out of fashion and why I want to underline an invitation to perceptive and afferent beauty. Are we really still kids, learning to play on the playground instead of bullying each other into submission? That's the main reason I have withdrawn care for understanding the canon of subjective beauty, which enables the suggestion of people as pawns or subjects to be gamified, played or used. Even if the military organizations see bodies that way, we can such as in standing meditation, choose to embrace the beauty that is in being. The abundance of beauty leads not directly to spoil, but does so in the presence of apathy or greed. The way people see eye to eye or not directly derives from what Chinese medicine calls the conception vessel. That is described the vision someone sees with that is rooted deep within their sacrum. Linguistically, this points to vision as a sacred relationship between sight and sacrum, which are not only faculties of body, but also of mind and spirit. The context in which each of us exists is not a universal. The rise in non-local awareness through senses and the internet has situated the intellectual frame of vision as temporarily higher I say temporarily because the body can only be ignored for so long. The rate at which people move through the day and inhabit their personhood has increasingly been forced to choose to adapt to the tolerance for those things that are not beautiful or be dissolved. Therefore, if a taboo is opened up, the clandestine is replaced by open-air expression. 
This is why I wonder if we are collectively nearing the return of beauty and culture in the afference sense of perception. Instead of making beauty a scapegoat or phenomena to fear, a small but subtle shift to reverence can generate the inner light and deep well as we enjoy our protection built from the forces of nature. Our ability to manipulate the natural world to our benefit means the hierarchy of nature as being more beautiful than cities is more of a concern for maintenance and care than for the claim of ugliness. If a place has become barren or no longer beautiful, the spirit of the people may need to be examined. Beauty, while superficially easy to blame, the guilt and shame fed by the rise of self-love pumping up the narcissistic society, reveals a false meaning of beauty, a beauty that when confronted with the logic infold, if ideas are powerful, what if each person was already whole, already spiritual, not in need of more anecdotes or self-love? What if the idea of universal beauty was not something scary inviting destructive actions, but something that inspired the remembrance of beauty within? This kind of wholeness still asks another external being to co-create with, for we are creative in our humanness already, even if not gods. Through beauty, we can be cautious and careful with ideas, deflating and soothing the inflammatory realm of reactivity and nourishing the burnt-out inner and outer landscapes. When I was growing up, like most kids, my perception was limited to what I had access to feel and see. I did not have to think about getting love. Love simply was. I could then, as adults marvel at children, perceive when there was harmony or conflict, and preferred harmony. In that observation, I noticed when people love each other, they do not have to think about loving themselves. The love is contributed. Everything is taken care of. When there was conflict, there would be wounding, and then focus on oneself was inevitable. When there was such a wound, even as propagated by the idea, just keep loving yourself more, life will work it out. I have found this to be a myth. Life kept moving forward by giving and wondering. I never once can say I solved something all on my own. Sure, I took choices and risks that no one else could force me to, and I not once took the privilege to make those choices for granted, but things happened with people. The self-as-God complex seems to be more accepted by those who prefer to use the term universe than the taboo of God, which happens to simply mean good in Norwegian. That goodness our body and collective memory knows, often through knowing the contrary, we can grow through focus on creating more beauty. Elaine Scarry's book on beauty and being just has been a sanity saver for me. Digesting Scarry's wisdom Emerson's distinctions, and meditating on beauty. My senses have shown me ways I had let others have access to my mind. The mind itself is a sacred space to give anyone access to, and I believe ought to be treated that way. This is why the imaginary realm is one I protect and wish to share, and likely the reason for the imaginary realms to become such a battleground for value. As for why beauty still has not healed the minds of people living in truly beautiful lands, still remains in the realm of mysterious ether to me. Perceptive beauty remains relative to the orientation of the body. Is the head upright or pointed to the ground? Is a human upright or hung by the feet? 
If our conscious knows our actions, then I trust in the beauty that stands as a body of water or force does regardless if we are here or not, to make way for wrongs, to generously correct themselves through time.